What's up, everyone? Thanks for downloading the Tour Junkies podcast for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. This is a great episode. We are going to recap the Waste Management Phoenix Open, talk about Ricky and the whole rules thing. We're going to talk about Sergio's meltdown, the first-round leader hit that we had. We're going to talk about Pat's big news for the next 30 days. It's kind of crazy. I think you guys are going to be shocked at the big news. Obviously, we're going to get into the courses, the breakdown, the key stats, the strategy for an event like this where we've got everybody playing three rounds. We're going to talk about GPP favorites, cash locks, fades, and uh, just in general how we're going to approach the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We appreciate you guys listening. The Chunk and Run is a great time. We're going to talk about the riders that we would have if we were to be asked to go on the Jimmy Fallon show. And we're going to talk about the things that piss us off the worst when we're playing golf with other people. It's a good it's, it's a good lesson in who we are as people. You guys should you guys should enjoy that one. So thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Give us a review if you don't mind. We haven't asked for reviews in a long time. But if you have just a few seconds and you can leave us an iTunes review, hopefully five stars if you enjoy the show, we would really appreciate it. It would help us out, and it's free. So thanks. May your screens be green. Here you go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. DB here of the Tour Junkies. As always, my trusty assistant, Mr. Pat Perry, on the line with me. We're here to talk AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We've got a few things that happened, a few, a few little items to cover uh, that happened on this busy, busy golf week, Pat. Uh, the Waste Management Open, the People's Open, Culminates with a Ricky Fowler victory, finally winning at TPC Scottsdale. But there are a number of things going on. How was the week for you, sir? And uh, just how you doing, buddy? Well, I'm doing good. First off, you you kind of you introduced me as your assistant. Have you ever said that before? I mean, that's oh, like you know what? That was a Freudian slip. I didn't even realize I did you're that. I mean, you're assistant. Kind of, so I'm your you kind assistant of tonight. Um, okay, I mean, you, kind of, you kind of are. I mean, you yeah. can't argue that. I'll be assisting you in your. Your duties as the main lead host of, yeah, yeah, of the yeah. Tour Junkies. Um, yeah, uh, I'm good. <laughs> Remember when we were trying to figure out who was going to lead the show back in the day when we first started? Yeah, <laughs> we had some interesting moments there. We, we would switch back and forth, and uh, ultimately uh, we smartly decided on you. Um yeah, yeah, we might have to do that one, you know, one one day. Like we, I think we've done that. Uh, a few I think times. we've done it the last couple of years, anyway. Yeah, yeah, like where we we switch, we roll reversal the whole thing. Yeah, um, we'll do that on like a really lame summer event or something. You know, that way we don't sacrifice a lot of listeners. True. Yeah, I guess. But anyway, um, yeah, a lot of stuff that happened around the world of golf this past week. You had the whole Ricky. You had the whole Ricky thing, which um, you know, you were on Ricky last week. You you liked Ricky. I I hammered you for the pick. I hammered you on the podcast. I hammered you on the DraftKings Tour Junkies After Dark show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote the chalk bomb, which I warned everybody that Ben Little was not writing the chalk bomb last week. That I was writing it. And, you know, at the last minute, I was like, you know what, freaking, I'm just going Ricky. And so I hammered him there, but I also warned everybody in the chalk bomb that it was DB. Uh, And Ricky goes out and wins. And uh, you got to feel good about that. But 
He he definitely tried to lose. He really tried to lose. He tried any, hard. Any thoughts? He tried hard. I mean, he was in control of that tournament pretty much the entire time. Now, I'll give him this. The weather was pretty freaking weird on Sunday. I mean, you don't really see rain and wind and whatever else they had on uh, on on out in the desert. And they had perfect weather on Saturday. It was beautiful. So, I mean, you could you could I mean, everybody was struggling really. Not not a whole lot of people were scoring all that much on Sunday. But he had a five-shot lead, at least. He may have had a six-shot lead at one point. And he tried extremely hard. Um, he had the uh, the rules issue, which is another subject. There was actually a couple rules issue issues that we could talk about. I mean, I don't want to talk about a couple of them, but the, the main one on 11, where the ball rolls back into the water. I mean, he ended up not getting assessed the penalty. Um, I believe is right. He makes the 20-foot triple bogey putt uh, after the conversation with Slugger White. All, all I'll say about it, and, I, and you can go to a ton of different golf outlets, podcasts, articles, whatever. We don't really like really beating the dead horse here with stuff like this, but um, the things that stand out to me the most, my biggest two uh, feelings are, A, Golf has some really dumb rules. It, just some really, really dumb rules. The fact that that would even be considered a penalty shot um, is just asinine and it's ridiculous. Yeah. We, we've got to do, and there was, you know, there was the Denny McCarthy rules infraction that was reversed. Yeah, that the was tours. the other one I was talking about. That was uh, yeah, and and, I, and that was that was obviously a good. I'm glad that that the PGA Tour reversed that, um, although it. it their motive for reversing it could be called into question, and whatever. That's also a dumb rule, but um, it's just really stupid. Some of the rules of golf, and I wish that I, I wish that some smarter people got in a room and figured this whole thing out. But I, the people, the people's open. The people won. You know, the people cried out over the Denny McCarthy ruling on Twitter. The players, you know. To, to, we're tagging the USGA. Justin Thomas was tagging the USGA. A lot of people spoke out, and the rule was reversed, and McCarthy was awarded his two strokes back. Um, you know, hopefully stuff like that changes policy going forward, right? But the, the Ricky Fowler ruling, uh, that, that was just so dumb. That was the first thing. It's just dumb. I just hate it. The second thing is Ricky is such a professional and, like, such a genuinely good dude because in that scenario – most people on tour would have lost their marbles on Slugger White, you know. But I mean, he's he's he just Sergio is the perhaps. consummate. Yeah, he's just the consummate professional and just an all around good guy. And and I do think it rattled him a little bit. He obviously bogeyed the next hole. I believe he bogeyed the next hole and and you know kind of limped in, but did what he had to do with a couple of holes that he had to birdie. Uh, but he ultimately, I don't think he really. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't kill him, right? He ended up winning the round. But there's just a lot of players. Most players on tour would have responded very, very differently. Um, and I'm just. Uh, it makes me respect and like Ricky that much more. I agree. I think you're dead on there. I mean, he. I've always been a Ricky fan. I think he gets a little bit too much um, crap from from the media as far as his wins and losses and things like that and, and i think he's you know unfortunately is is getting compared a lot with with the you know jt's jordan spieth 
those guys, Brooks Kepka, the one, the young guns that are that are uh, that are winner majors, and and he's not, but just a fantastic guy on tour, well liked by everyone it seems like, and like you said, he's just a stand up guy on the course. I really like how he handled everything when it came to the the ruling and or not ruling or whatever. And then he he held it together, and then you know he had a really important tee shot on seventeen. Yeah, that when, was clutch. Which was just clutch after he'd had a, some pretty bad experiences there in the past and just absolutely nailed it. That shows me a lot, you know, when you can step up and, and do that because, believe me, he was thinking about it. Um, you saw what Cooch did on that hole. Good Lord. Just a yeah. straight freaking yeah. duck hook left. But anyway, it was, a, it was a good tournament for Ricky. Glad to see him win. Uh, great crowd for him to win in too. You know that's kind of his his crowd, I guess. Maybe not the not maybe not the heavy drinkers of the crowd. But eh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe so. There was some I mean, great. All the there was some great footage of sixteen, by the way, on social media. Oh yeah, the guy the guy puking puking his guts out at seven thirty a.m. was one of my favorites. Our girl Maddie Lou tweeted that one out. That was uh, see, one. I didn't see that one. I just saw the the girl with the. the just two hand fisted at the same time, chugged chugged two beers. Oh yeah, I did see her. Yeah. Um, you're kind of lady there, huh, Pat? Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 people's favorite golfer won the People's Open finally, and which it is an appropriate event for him. Um, you know, wh- while I whiffed on the chalk bomb, here let me let me explain this too. We we made a commitment a couple weeks ago when we when we had the issue where Phil was low owned and wasn't really chalk, that that we were going to make sure that from here on out the chalk bomb would be an eighteen percent minimum owned kind of player, but but somebody who we really wanted to make sure was going to be twenty or more. And last week there was only a handful of guys that that really met the criteria. And for me, I was like, you know what, freaking Ricky, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it. I'm, I'm gonna pull the trigger. But I warned everybody in the chalk bomb. Hey, this is DB, and this is what I think because Pat's not contributing to this, and I didn't give you many compelling reasons why you should fade him. Um, so you knew it wasn't going to be as good as what Ben Little does every in terms of giving you the data. Uh, but I, I knew for a fact he'd be high end. That's what I knew. He'd be chalk, and uh, and that's where I went with that. But to make up for it, I feel like if you would have read my article on tourjunkies.com on One Groove Low, you would have hit money on the Harold Varner third first-round leader bet. Thank you very much. And that was uh, that was 100 to 1 first-round leader that I wrote up. Now, he finished in a three-way tie on Thursday with Ricky and Justin Thomas, so it ended up paying out about 33 to 1. But nonetheless, you know, at least I gave you that. Now, for a couple of you knuckleheads that want to come at me for the chalk bomb on Twitter – Nobody, I mean, I looked at the numbers, there were, there were a lot of readers on the first round leader bet article, and I got nobody that tweeted me and said, yo, I caught that Harold Varner the third first round leader action, thanks DB. Yeah, nobody nobody did that. So, th- this is the world we live in, I guess. world we live in. I got nothing to add, because I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had the, the you had the Sergio Garcia temper tantrum heard round the world over there in Saudi Arabia apparently damaging greens and um, just going bananas in the in the bunkers. Uh, <laughs> I got to say, I think I've done that before uh, growing up as a... <laughs> I had quite the, the temper growing up. Uh, and, and, 
Yeah, I played a lot of tennis uh, also. I, I was thrown out of some tournaments. Ooh, the old Pat McEnroe. Um, yeah, I had some McEnroe tendencies, throwing rackets, all kinds of stuff. Um, not quite as bad on the golf course, but there's there were some incidents. And I, I have to say, there probably could have been a time growing up where I might have pulled a Sergio whacking the sand back and forth like he did. Hey, all right, so I just got an idea for the chunk and run next week because we already have it planned out for this week. How about for, for the run portion, we talk about our most memorable sporting event ejections because I've, I've been tossed. Um, actually, I was kicked out of uh, one baseball game as a player in high school, one basketball game as a um, member of the student section in high school. Uh, I was hoping you were going to say church league, church league basketball. Kick. Oh, 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 well, actually, I've been kicked out of three Church League basketball games. <laughs> um, so that's my ejection record, and I've got pretty much great stories to go with all of them. And, but for the sake of time, I'll have to narrow it down on a couple because— uh, All right, well, yeah, I, I've, got to, I've got to think of my—I mean, I know I've got a few myself, so yeah, this could be a good one, but I need some time. But now so. the difference between me and you is, though, I, <laughs> I don't have the temper issue anymore. I, I had it. But I don't really have any more. You get you get pretty you get you still get pretty hot when when you get fired up. You get pretty hot. I, I see it. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. But yeah, Sergio's flicking the sand and Spanish f bombing the Saudis over there. Punta, <laughs> that was, punta. That was actually punta. the funniest part of it to me was all the Spanish that he was just spouting he off, was letting it rip. That was so good, oh, man. Uh, I don't want to weigh in on that too much. He's he he obviously has a reputation for a reason, and I think if 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 other PGA Tour players who spent enough time around Sergio had a chance to be candid, they would probably tell you stories much worse than even we know of. Um, that's just kind of the, the feeling that I get, which sucks. I mean, the guy is a great player, and he seems like he's leveled out and mellowed out a little bit. But and everybody has bad days, but. Yeah, he, he had a rough one. But meanwhile, DJ won, uh, ho-hum. DJ won that event, so good for him. Yeah, great. I think that's all the world news we need to talk about. You got anything else to add there? No, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I feel like we're kind of getting back to where the, the tournaments are less worldly now. Kind of after this, or you know, really coming here in the Pebble Beach, and then after that, we don't have them all over the place, like DJ here, Brooks Kepka here, whatever. Mm. They're, they're going to start converging on America here for the next not a big not a big globalist. No, I'm guy, fine with the global stuff, but you know it's it's hard to keep up too from a you know when you're when you're looking at how they've been doing recent form stuff like that. We got yeah. a lot of global players in this field, by the way. We started getting towards the spring summer. Yeah, everybody's kind of coming back. You know, getting over here ready for the 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 peak golf season and uh, getting ready for majors stuff like that and, and and you know also Pat what people should be getting ready for at home is the summer and the spring and the better weather and you must have a nice five pocket pant in your closet if you don't already for the spring and summer months and and there's no better company to deliver said five pocket pant than our friends at Peter Millar we've talked about this this company for a couple a, a little over a year now you guys know Peter Millar and we've talked about the five pocket pant a few times you know the, it's quality it's value it's style it's everything that Peter Millar delivers it's the most comfortable clothing you could possibly get the five pocket pant though i have a red pair 
Pat has a very brown, bland pair um, for maybe the more conservative folks out there. But they're lightweight, very breathable, made from the Pima cotton. Not the Puma, but the Pima. They fit like jeans. You can wear them anywhere. You can wear them on the golf course. You can wear them in the office. You can wear them on a date. You could work out in them. There's so much like stretch in them and stuff that you could you could easily you could do squats. You could do squats in them. That's how that's how stretchy they are. But they're they're the go-to for vacation or work or golf course or whatever. Most comfortable pair of pants I've ever worn. I can say that about just about everything I've ever worn from Peter Millar. So right now, head over to PeterMillar.com/tourjunkies. Check out the items that myself and Pat said we like the most. You can go check it out on that website. Use our link, and you get free shipping and a free hat. Okay, PeterMillar.com slash TourJunkies. That's M-I-L-L-A-R, PeterMillar.com slash TourJunkies. Get you that summer pant. That's what you need, a little summer weight, five-pocket pant. Classic, classic staple in the wardrobe. Agree, Pat? Oh, yeah. You know I love them. Speaking of staple... What's the uh, what's the podcast juice tonight, buddy? Uh, funny you should ask. Uh, the the podcast juice tonight is a couple nice slices of lime mm. with some club soda poured over them with some ice and nothing mm. else. That is it. Whoa, whoa, that's it. Just the when Tito's. I thought all the world news was over. Wait a minute, what's going on? Well, DB, Donde es Tito's? Yeah, no Tito's. This is, by the way, going against, uh, we're going way far, like on the opposite end of the spectrum of the, the New Year's resolutions. And uh, I've made a little bit of a vow not to drink for 30 days. <laughs> and it's a personal decision. Uh, you know, there's, okay. there's some things, you know, I feel like there's been some excess. If anybody follows me or follows Late Night on Twitter, you might know that. Um, <laughs> post Wednesday or Thursday, Friday, chalk bombs. But you know, I'm just I'm 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 feeling like February is a good month to to take it easy. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on. Football's over, but ultimately, just trying to get a little healthy. Trying to see what I what I can do here. Trying to see if I can do this for 30 days. Interested to see how it goes. You know, I want to see what things change about my life for the next mm. 30 days. So. That's the big huh. news for me. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I, I have basically the same drink that you're having, except mine has loads of Tito's in it. So Yeah. But I, I have done I have done that. I've done the, the thirty day, you know, no alcohol thing. So much respect. I mean, I get it, you know. It's um it's uh yeah, it's a good thing to do every now and then. You know, it's it's first it's just it's just it's just discipline of your body. You know, and every now and then you need to do that. You know, every now and then you need to remind your body who's in charge. Body, my mind is in charge. That's you know, right. Mr. Perry is in charge over this. So, you know, you're craving the Tito's and the rosé. You're going to have to pump the brakes for, for a little bit. So I get it. I get it. It's a good move. Yeah. I don't think it's going to do great for the podcast. I feel like, I feel like, um, I feel like, you're at your podcast peak when you've got a little, you know, a little additional help. Yeah, but you know what? I think that I'll learn from this also with that when that's concerned. You know, maybe maybe some different things will pop out with with sober Pat over the next. Maybe 30 some days. intelligent takes. Maybe some actual, yeah, some actual intelligent takes. <laughs> maybe uh, 
you know, maybe some really good DraftKings weeks. As you know, I had had a good couple weeks going. Of course, it all came crashing down last week. Uh, maybe yeah. that's another reason I'm doing this. But no, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, listeners out there, you know, keep me lifted up. You know, if you if if you feel like, hey, Pat might might be might be teetering, shoot us a little message of support. I like that. <laughs> well, high and lifted up. There we go. I like it. Um, good for you, buddy. Good for you. I'm glad. I'm glad you get that out there. Put that out in the open. He needs the people's support over the next 30 days. You know, so let's support Pat. Let's get behind him. Let's do this. Um, I want to do something real quick before we get into the course breakdown, Pat. You know, we've got the YouTube channel up. And by the way, folks, let me just tell you. Um, I, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago that Pat was working on doing a couple videos for the YouTube channel, and. You won't find any of them up there yet, but uh, because they 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 take a little extra time on the editing room floor. But let's just say that the content that he has recorded, we're cutting up, is is gorgeous. It's it's fantastic work, um, and it's very very humorous. Um, but the YouTube channel is is going to be a lot of content around. DFS golf and golf betting terminology strategies um, you know just overall things to make you a better DFS golfer and or golf better in general so uh, and some of the stuff may be a little elementary to start we're kind of starting there the content is a little more elementary we're going to build on it we've got about 40 or 50 video ideas all about 3 to 5 minutes long so nothing super long it's going to take up a lot of your time got about 30 40 to 50 of those ideas that that will build up to more advanced stuff so uh, fear not if you're if you're on the YouTube channel and you're thinking like dude I know this stuff let's move on but if you're just kind of getting into this whole thing or you want to be reminded of the fundamentals go ahead and uh, take a visit over to the Tour Junkies YouTube channel in fact we had a comment just this past week, I don't have it in front of me, but we had a comment, and the guy was like, man, I'm glad I watched this video. It was about cash lineups on DraftKings. And he said, I'm glad I watched this video. I wish I would have watched it months ago because I kind of got away from this strategy that is proven. And uh, and he did it, and he had a better week. So, And I appreciated him commenting on that. I, it was very nice. Um, so anyway, that's what's going on on the YouTube channel. For now, it's just my ugly mug on there, but Pat is coming. It's very funny. I'm also going to be tweeting some some outtakes that I put together of, of Pat. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's next level. I get choked up just thinking about it. I'm sorry for coughing in the, in the microphone there on that one. But I've got some outtakes that I'm going to be tweeting. If you guys could retweet that video uh, when, you, when you see it, it'll be up by the time you're listening to this podcast. If you could retweet that video and just spread the love on Pat and on how... <laughs> good he is that would be that would be awesome we would, uh, we would appreciate it we'd appreciate it let's see if we can get some retweets and some engagement on that one i think it'd be a good one so coming at you on twitter if you're listening to this right now it's there so go find it that's all i'll say about that all right pat let's go man we got three courses to talk about pebble beach pro-am hit us with it buddy yeah so yeah we're at the uh, at&t pebble beach pro-am this week in pebble beach california on the monterey peninsula peninsula God, i can't even freaking say when words you... correctly when i'm not drinking um <laughs> anyway <true. laughs> so we got a three-course rotation this week as you mentioned um 
so pretty large field event. We got the old pro-am narrative that, that I talk about. You're going to get some slow play and whatever else. But here's the deal. They're going to play all three courses, and then there will be a cut after three rounds, just like the Desert Classic. But remember, it is the low 60 in ties, not 70, which we typically get uh, week in and week out. So it'll be 60 after day after three days. Let's. I'm gonna quickly go through the courses. So the host course is gonna be the Pebble Beach course. Obviously, Pebble Beach Golf Links, the iconic course that will be hoping the hosting the U.S. Open here in just a couple of months. It plays 6,800 yards, par 72. Poana Greens, they're going to get two rounds here as long as they make the cut. You also got Spyglass Hill Golf Course, which I think is a little bit underrated. When you look at year over year, it, it ranks up there pretty close with Pebble Beach, other than as far as the U.S. Open is concerned, as far as difficulty. It's the longest of the three courses. Well, actually, it's right there with Monterey, but... It's playing just over 6,900 yards, par 72, Poana Greens as well. Uh, then you got Monterey Peninsula, which typically has been the easiest of the three courses. Uh, again, just over 6,900 yards also, par 72, Poana Greens. Um, you know, here's the thing, looking at kind of a few notes on each of the courses. As far as um, Pebble Beach, you've got four par fives. All of them, except for one of them, which is the 14th, can be reached. But let me just say, the front nine par fives are much easier than the back nine par fives. They both play under par, whereas both 14 and 18 on the back nine play over par. So really the scoring is going to be on those front nine par fives. Um, you know, I do think they're kind of, they've raised the rough a little bit this week uh, as they get closer towards the U.S. Open, and they've narrowed the fairways some. So I think you're definitely going to have to be a little more accurate off the tee on this course than we've seen in years past with, with coming up here on a U.S. Open. Um, you know, last time they played the U.S. Open here, it, it was 2010. Leading up to the tournament, DJ won. So he was he obviously is a bomber, but then you had to, the total opposite in Graham McDowell, who won in 2010 at the U.S. Open. So played a little bit different. Uh, as far as Spyglass, again, like I said, sneaky difficult. Uh, all par fives are gettable. All all par fives played under par last year. Um, you got hole number five out there, actually, which is one of the most difficult holes on tour. It played in the top 50 toughest holes on core on tour. So again, another another tough course. And then Monterey, just an easy one. They're gonna. This is the one that they're really gonna have to to just blast and be aggressive on when they get out there. I think weather is gonna be a, a, something we're gonna be looking at this week. When you look at yeah. temperatures, it is cold. It, it's still it's it, they're hanging on to winter there. Uh, over in the Monterey Peninsula, we're going to get rain forecasted most days, and Friday, and you know, a little bit of wind both day, all four days. But Friday really has some wind, so it's going to be interesting to see when the tee times come out. You know, where what courses everybody's going to be on on Friday. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that later in the week. As far as stats for me, I mentioned par fives. You got to score there, so par five scoring always recent form and course history. Uh, I looked at bogey avoidance a little bit this week. I think especially on a tough course like Pebble Beach and Spyglass, you got to avoid those tough numbers I look, or big numbers. I looked at opportunities gained, approach, and then a little bit of scrambling. 
Didn't look so much at off the tee this week. I, I, that's not a huge stat for me. I think you, you see a lot of different players win out here. Um, you know, guys like Ted Potter in 2018, so last year. Jordan in 17. Vaughn Taylor coming out of nowhere in 16. You have Sneds in 15, who was – he's won here twice. Great course history. Uh, and then Jimmy Walker in 2014. Also, just again to note, I mentioned DJ won in 2010. He also won in 2009, so back-to-back. He's got great course history as well. And also Mickelson, who's won here four times with his last victory being in 2012. So there you go. That's the rundown. It's always kind of lengthy, it feels like, when uh, we got these three courses and they're all over the place. So. Got your three courses. Yeah, it does get a little lengthy, but um, an, an interesting week. It's one of those weeks where there's going to be a lot of um, – it's like the Desert Classic, but a lot of variability, I guess. Like you mentioned, pretty much uh, all three short tracks. Uh, with the Pro-Am, you're going to get easier pin locations. That's something for everybody to really keep that in mind. They're not going to tuck these pins. These are small greens, which I think Pat mentioned. So, therefore, the, you know, somewhat of a focus on scrambling, strokes gain around the green. They are tough. They are small greens, so when you miss them, or it's easy to miss them, I guess, um, you got to get up and down. But, but for the most part, I think the pin location is going to be easier, which is why Pebble is probably not – I mean, they're not going to set up Pebble like the U.S. Open. I, I, there, there has been confirmed, um, you know, that they've been growing the rough a little bit, getting it ready, but it's not, it's not going to be – it's not going to be U.S. Open ready golf course conditions or setup. So uh, I'm sure for the U.S. Open, Pebble will play much longer. Pin placements will be tucked. Rough will be fully ready to go. You're just not going to get that with Tony Romo hitting into these flags, as good as he is, or freaking Larry the Cable Guy or whoever else. Uh, um, Alfonso Ribeiro, you know? So, um you don't have that. You, you got long rounds because of the pro am. So you, you know, guys that I'm looking at guys who can make it through that uh, a little easier. I think that's why guys like Bubba don't want to play here. Patience required. Uh, I do think you're right, man. The the weather looks interesting. There's they've already gotten a ton of rain um, at Pebble, and wind is looking to be up. Temperatures are looking to be down. It, it does look like one of those weird years where like Von Taylor won, like you mentioned. Um, it just it seems like it seems like that's gonna be it's gonna be kind of a grind out there. I mean, if you got rain, wind, and mid you know mid fifties as your high at Pebble during a six and a half hour pro am round, you better be you better have your head screwed on right. Or I mean, God, if Sergio was here, somebody get decapitated in the middle of the round. So it, it could get it could get hairy for sure. Uh, in terms of stats, of course, always provided by Fantasy National. Um, that's our spot. By the way, I got to mention this: Fantasy National, killing it in. If you if you're interested in betting like like head to head matchups, like day by day, round by round. If you're interested in getting into that, you know, look at that Fantasy National data that's loaded every single day after the tournament. You look at the strokes gain data, see where guys are gaining strokes compare them you can you can easily find um some some good guys to play but fantasy national just kills it whether you're playing dfs betting whatever it is that is our one-stop shop for the stats you got to get on it and if you go to fantasynational.com slash tj 
we would really appreciate it. Sign up for the annual membership. That's what we that's what we recommend. You can do anything you want, but the annual membership is where the money is at. You're going to save a lot of money. I heard through Pat Mayo that uh, members of Fantasy National this past week won around $30,000, which is and that that's just those who reported it. So, fantastic stuff there. Uh, and I and I was one of those members who won some money this week. Pat, I meant to say your your pep talk last week helped me. I actually had some green screens this week and and made a profit. It wasn't it wasn't thirty thousand dollars worth of profit, but it was a good week for me, and uh, you know helped make up for the last couple weeks that have been really crappy. So thirty thousand dollars won just this past week from Fantasy National members. So. FantasyNational.com slash TJ is where the stats come from. And I am looking at a few things. Now, you mentioned strokes gained around the green. I'm looking at that. Uh, I'm looking at opportunities gained, which I, I, I love to look at. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at driving accuracy or how, how Fantasy National sets it up as fairways gained. I think that with the wet conditions, we're going to be lift clean in place um, in the fairway. It's already a short course, so being in the fairway is an advantage just from being able to control your spin, control your distances. They're talking about the rough being a little thicker, a little more gnarly. I think that puts more of a premium on accuracy. You don't need the length out here. Plus, with lift clean in place, you got to hit the fairway. So I put a pretty, I'm putting a premium on guys who keep it in the fairway. So that doesn't eliminate your bombers. Obviously, they can hit irons off the tee, but. It definitely opens up the field. And you're right, like long shots can definitely win here. This is anybody's tournament, especially in weather like this. Any thoughts? No, I agree, which is why I mentioned <laughs> that I liked driving accuracy in the uh, in the course breakdown. Oh, I thought you said you didn't like it. No, I said you I said d- you weren't looking at off the tee. Well, I wasn't necessarily looking off the tee, but I liked driving accuracy, fairways gained. So. Oh, well, they hit they hit drives off the tee, Pat. Well, I know, but that, I feel like just I would rather focus in more on the exact driving accuracy than as fo- opposed to just strokes gained off the tee. Oh, well, that's what I did. So you meant you didn't like strokes gained off the tee. That's you what I said. That. I didn't like strokes gained off no, the tee. No, you just said I don't, I'm not looking at anything off the tee. Well, I meant strokes gained off the tee. Uh, we'll check the tape. Maybe you did say strokes gained. I'm pretty sure you didn't say strokes gained. But, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. I'm not looking at strokes gained off the tee. I'm just strictly looking at fairways gained. Opportunities gain, you know, strokes gain around the green, um, and and then DraftKings points because again you're getting three rounds guaranteed. This is just like the Desert Classic a couple of weeks ago. Like you, you know, yeah, you still got to score, and and they will score. Like you, you got to score, on, yeah, yeah. You know, with these pins set up fairly easy, uh, they'll be tough on Sunday, but but and obviously, than- you know, it lends itself. You you kind of default to a what we call studs and duds strategy. Uh, with something like that, where you're going to go with the aggressive players, spend a bunch of money on um, you know some studs and hope one of your duds pops and makes it through the cut. But there's obviously something to be said, too, of being a little contrarian on that. So we'll see how it shakes out with the picks. Pat, are you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's go. All right. Um, <clears throat> let's start here at the top, the 9K range and above, just like uh, you know, just like we've been doing. Three GPPs in the 9K and above, one cash lock, and one fade. Uh, I'll tell you where I'm going to go. I'll I'll start us off. I am going to go with a guy who's never played here before, the only guy who's never played here before in the 9K range and above, and that is Mr. Tommy Fleetwood. Big fan of Tommy Fleetwood in general, but coming off a T16 finish in Dubai a couple weeks ago, 
Uh, obviously, extremely accurate, uh, whether you look at European tour stats, PGA tour stats, accurate off the tee, fantastic ball striker, can play in poor weather if wind is a factor, which it looks like it's going to be. Cooler weather. I mean, it's, it's basically going to be like he's flying from home to Pebble Beach, but the weather is going to be like home. It's going to be like England when they get there. Um, high in the mid-50s, wind and rain. That sounds kind of like England. Um, so I, I think this is a, a good spot for Tommy, and I think maybe I'm crazy. Call me crazy. But I think for once, Tommy Fleetwood might go a little overlooked just because he doesn't have any history here. People like it. And, you know, he's he's right there around guys like Day and DJ who have a tremendous history here. Phil, um, I don't know. May, I feel like maybe he goes a little overlooked. Now, for Tommy, that means like 15% or, or less I'd be really happy with in GPPs. But uh, regardless of what it shakes out to be on FanshareSports.com, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be playing some Tommy Fleetwood. The second guy that I like in here is uh, is at $9,600. You mentioned him in the course preview. I, I'm going to play Phil. If you look at the if you look at what happened, and this and he burned me because I had I had some of Phil. I could have had a really solid week last week had he made the cut, but um, he struggled around the greens. He lost 2.3 strokes around the greens uh, last last week, which. You have to go to the players last year to find a round of golf where he lost that many strokes around the green or more. And, you, you know, so I just feel like that's kind of an aberration, and I don't really see that happening again. And he was 20% owned at the Waste Management. I mean, he's still Phil, still Pebble. He's still going to be up there, but I think he gets a little drop in ownership after that. You dig into it, though, and it really was just scrambling. I think he corrects that. And uh, it's a great upside play here in an event like this. And, again, guys like Tommy and Phil, they have the personality for this crap. Like, chumming it up with these these pro-am guys, you know, being patient. That's why Phil does so well here. He's got the personality for it. He's got the charisma for it, the patience for it, the kind of level-headedness for it. Um, So I, I like that in both of those guys. The third play for me in GPP is strictly a course history ownership play. I'm going to play Jordan Spieth. Yes! First time. Yes! The first time. First time this year that I'm playing Jordan Spieth. I've faded him all year, to uh, which has been successful. But uh, he's gained 51 strokes here in the last five years. Obviously loves Pebble. Again, has the temperament for it. Um, and he's a great grinder. And with the weather... He's just a good grinder. With the weather, the pace of play, the pro-am crap, I just feel like it's a good spot for Jordan. We did see some improvement, some flash of the old Jordan a couple of tournaments ago. I am concerned with the accuracy off the tee. I am a little concerned with that. But give me, you know, give me easy pin placements and just get Jordan in the fairway. And I really like I really like the odds on speed. And I mean, if you if you look at him, he was five percent owned at the farmers. Five on average in GPPs. Now, you know, he finished 35th, but um, 5%. So it'll be interesting to see where the ownership comes in. I mean, this top tier is really where I think you got to leverage, as I mentioned, fanshiresports.com. So those are my three GPP plays. My cash play in this range is different. I'm going to go with Shez. 
I I, I kind of feel like my three GPP plays aren't necessarily. I mean, you can find reasons to fade them. I have a hard time really finding a reason to fade Shez at nine thousand. I think this is, with the tournament weather setting up like it is. I think it's a great spot for him. He's got a decent history here. Finished runner up last year in good form. I feel like he's a safe bet, and you get a little bit of salary savings at 9K in cash. Don't mind him in GPPs either, but I just think from an ownership standpoint, I like Fleetwood, Phil, and Jordan a little better. So there you go. Hmm. All right. Well, I've got two that I agree with you on, so I don't really, we don't have to get into a ton, but that's Spieth. Uh, I love him as well. And, you know, he putted, he putted pretty well at Torrey. I mean, I know he kind of – faltered a little bit over the weekend especially Sunday but I believe he was in the top five in the field and in, in putts per greens and regulation so he's coming around with that putter so I, I'm, I'm I definitely agree I think I hope so. it, what's that I said I hope so oh okay sorry um you know no Tito's my senses are heightened so um <laughs> <laughs> so, so I like some Jordan. Also in an, in agreement with Fleetwood. I know he hasn't played here before, but but I do like him. I do agree. I think his ownership could be a little bit lower than you might typically see. So we'll be I'll be interested to see what fan share is showing there. My other guy is going to be Jason Day at 10-9. So I'm going to go up there, pay for Jason Day. Look, he's got incredible course history here. He's been in pretty good recent form. I, I love where he is as far as um, par 5 scoring. He's top 10 in the field. Also, he tends to avoid the big numbers. We know he's always been a great scrambler, which is one of the stats you and I both mentioned we like. The biggest deal for him, just like you can say with Spieth, is going to be the driving accuracy. You know, he's not checking the box there. Yeah. But I'm going to I'm gonna bank on it being kind of one of those things where if the driver works out well, again, he can take advantage and be aggressive out of here with his length. So, I mean, you just look at the guy has always performed well. And you look at the last four times out here, Nothing worse than a T11th with, with a T4, T5, second last year. Um, has gained um, you know 43 and a half strokes on the field. So I like some Jason Day, and I think his ownership might be a little bit lower as well. So we'll see. Uh, so those are my three GPP plays. And you know what? I also like Day in cash. I think I'm going to play him in cash as well. I see where you're going with Chez, but I don't know. I just get a hard time. Just have a hard time playing with him in cash and in that price and everything. But I like day in cash. I, I I feel, you know, he, of these picks in this over nine k range, he's the he's the guy I feel the strongest about. So I'm gonna play him in both GPPs and cash this week. Now my fade is gonna be Cantlay at ninety eight hundred. Hmm. I mean, I don't know the guy just. I just never can peg him right anyway, so maybe this is just one of those things where I'm just, you know, I, I just, I don't see him playing well this week. He hasn't particularly done great for a guy at 9,800. His best finish is 35th last year. Um, you know, doesn't take the box of driving accuracy, doesn't in opportunities gained, not really scrambling all that great. He's just outside of the top 50 in the field. Uh, so I just think I think Cantlay is he's typically been as you know higher owned lately. Everybody likes to gravitate towards a guy. Now in a field like this, it may be different, but just not a fan of Cantlay. So I'm gonna fade him this week. 
Well, I'm actually, I'm, I'm in a fair amount of agreement with you. Um, well, obviously, I, I, I like your two GPP plays that match up with mine, but I, I don't mind Day. I, I took a hard look at Jason Day, so I can't argue with you here. We got a little more agreement this time around this week than we did last week. Um, can't lay, I, I can't figure out. You know I love can't lay, so I just can't quite peg him. I might have a you little can't, stronger. can't can't lay? I can't, yeah. I might have a little stronger feeling on him come come Wednesday or so, but I, I just I'm not sure. Um, my fade is going to be Patrick Reed at 9,300 bucks. I normally feel like Reed is is always open to a GPP play, which I'm still going to stand by and say you can because typically he's under owned because people don't like to play him. Um, however, when I look at this group of folks at 9K and above, he does not check any boxes except for the scrambling, strokes gain around the green numbers, and DraftKings points scored. He's not hitting greens in regulation. He's not hitting fairways, and that's both in the short term and long term. Um, I mean, just in the last 12 rounds, he's 102nd in this field in fairways gained. And you think, well, maybe he's just, you know, he's just having a rough 12 rounds. But no, actually, if you look in the last 50 rounds, he's 118th in fairways gained. Not the most accurate guy off the tee. Um, probably, yeah, so, so I, I just, I'm not a kind of spotty history here. I mean, he's got, got a couple good years, got a couple of not so great years, um, missed a cut last year, but you know, he's, he's, he's decent course history here, but, um, and obviously he's kind of a grinder, but I'm just, I just feel like 9,300, I'm not gonna, he just finished 50 something, 56th over in Saudi Arabia. And now he's flying back over here. So, you know, he left California. Then he went to – he played – what did he play? The Farmers? So he played the Farmers. Then yeah. he flew straight from the Farmers to Saudi Arabia. Then he's flying back straight from Saudi Arabia here. I just uh, – I don't love that either. So if i got to look for reasons to fade a guy, I think that's probably it. But I can't imagine um, him being, like, the, the most fun pro-am partner either. Yeah. I, I mean, had plus him. he's – he, yeah, he you was, fly that much and spend seven days in Saudi Arabia, I would just be grumpy. Yeah, anyway, but well, I wrote down um, right after Cantlay just that I, you know, I looked at Reed here also. He was he was kind of my other guy. I was sort of going back and forth between the two. So a lot of agreement here. Damn it, a lot of agreement. Now I I think come. I mean, we say this every week, but it is. It's key. You got to check fansharesports.com. And like last week, I had, last week I ended up with a lot, a good bit of Harold Varner, who I think I talked a little bit about on the podcast, uh, but I know I wrote him up. And then uh, I ended up with a good bit of Trey Mullinax, who both of those paid off, but I was validated on the ownership in GPPs when I saw their projections on fansharesports.com. Um, and then the, the I, I ended up playing a little Shez, and I don't think I talked Shez on the podcast, but when I saw kind of nobody was talking about him, because I think on the podcast, I was like, you know, Monday, I was like, well, people are going to be talking about him. He's an Arizona guy. He finished runner-up here last year, lost in a playoff. People talk him up, and then by the time I got to Wednesday night, I'm looking at fan share, and I'm like, nobody's talking him up. So I'm going to play a little Chez Revy, and it, it paid off rather nicely as he finished, I think, top 10, or maybe top, what, he finished fourth? Um, where's Chez? He was yeah, fourth. Yeah, he finished fourth. Yeah, he was fourth. So... That's what that's what fan that's that's what that's what fansharesports.com can do for you. Um, they, they listen to all the podcasts. They read all the articles. They 
Look at all the tweets. They're getting a pulse on who the talking heads are talking about, and you don't have to sit there and listen to 30 different DFS podcasts, okay? That Fanshare's job has gotten a lot harder over the years. When we first started, there's just a few of us, but now there's, I don't even know how they do this, but they do. And they'll tell you who's getting talked up and their ownership projections. Uh, we look at every single Wednesday night before setting lineups. you got to be a member at Fanshare if you're trying to make money in GPPs. We say this every week. We've been saying it for two years now. If you want to make money in GPPs, you have to have the Fanshare, uh, you know, Fanshare subscription. So if you go to FanshareSports.com, join using promo code TourJunkies, all one word, promo code TourJunkies. You get, they're going to give you 20% off of whatever package you get. You can subscribe uh, weekly, monthly, or annually. I believe weekly is like 10 bucks a week, monthly is like 25 and annual is like 200 They do football too, so when football comes back around, if you do NFL, DFS, they got you there. You just need to go over there. Plus, they're just great guys. Great guys. They work really hard. Uh, we've kind of come up with them. We feel like we've kind of grown up with Fanshare. It's been, it's, it's been cool to get to know those guys and work with them for the last couple of years. Um, but it's, you know, they put me on Revy last week and it paid off. So that's what you got to do. Um, Pat, I got, I got a, I got a, I got a good surprise here in the 8K range that I'm kind of excited about. But before I get to it, I want to hear yours. I want to hear your 8K GPP plays, two GPPs in your cash lock. All right. So first GPP is going to be Shane Lowry at 8,800. Loving some Shane this week. Coming off that. Dang it. Yes. Yes. Coming off that. He was my surprise. He was my Suprisa. That was your surprise? Yes. Oh, come on. Listen here. This guy coming off a victory at the Abu Dhabi just a few weeks ago. He's got great course history here. Never missed a cut. Four tries, four made cuts. Now look, he's not he's not gangbusters here, but he's he's got a you know T14 in 2017, which by the way was kind of a weird weather year that we're so, we're gonna get uh, this year, and then a T20 uh, T21 in 2015. But also checking boxes, you know. I mean, he is uh, you know he's he's always typically pretty pretty accurate off the tee. Checks the box and opportunities gained. He avoids bogeys. Uh, he's got a pretty good scram, you know, scrambling game, strokes gained approach. You know, is up there in the field. So I think that uh, I think old Shane Lowry is a really good play up here at the top of this 8K range. Um, so I'll let you talk more about him when you go. But my next guy, I'm going to go down, you know, further down, down near the bottom of the 8K range, and that's Russell Knox at 8100. Yeah, coming. You knew how'd you know it was coming? I just knew it was coming. Okay. You well, love Russell Knox. I do like some Russell Knox. I, I just think I, I like this course for him. Now he's he's got out of the last three times he's played here, he did miss a cut in sixteen, but he was T fifteen last year, T twenty seven back in two thousand fourteen. Um, you know, seeing him play a little bit better lately. He's made four straight cuts. He was top ten last week at the, at the waste management, T forty three at the farmers. But I want to say he either had a, a bad Saturday or a Sunday. I can't remember, but was was still up there playing decent. And then had a top 20 also at the Desert Classic. So a guy we always know with with, with Russell Knox is is typically pretty accurate off the tee. Um, never gets in a whole lot of trouble. I just I like him this week. I like that price for him. So he's my other GPP play. My cash play is going to be Sneds. Look, I mean, it's hard to get away from that course history. The price is good for him at 8200 
He's number one in the field and strokes gained around the green, so scrambling. Um, checks the box and bogey avoidance. I mentioned his incredible course history. And his recent results have been, you know, okay. He's, he, he's been not so great the last two weeks. I mean, he's made the cut, but... Um, but did finish T16 back at the Sony Open, another sort of shorter course, which we're going to see this week, um, which we did not see, obviously, at the Farmers, even though he has a pretty good, great, or really a great course history there as well. But I like some Sneds. I like him in cash. I think he's just a really solid, safe play right there at 8,200. So there you go. Well, other than your Shane Lowry freaking cuck that you just did on me, uh, your 8K selections very predictable, very very predictable. I'm surprised Knox was predictable. I think Sneds is is definitely. Dude, you pre- pick Knox like you pick Knox like six times a year, and like three times out of those six, you're cussing his ass out. Come Friday afternoon, you're like, <laughs> that is true. Texting me, texting me, telling me I'm never playing Russell Knox again. It happens <laughs> at least 50. percent So of the time this is that there. time so far. This is the first time this year I believe I've mentioned him. I could be wrong. Um, well, of course I agree with you on Shane Lowry. He was my, my secret weapon here. I, I, I think he's sets up really nicely here. And when you look at the data, both short-term and long-term, checks the box and fairways gain, greens and regulation, DraftKings points scored. Not only did he win, but uh, just a, a few weeks ago, he won uh, Abu Dhabi, but he came up, followed it with a T12 in Dubai. Clearly in good form, clearly confident right now. Um so and comfortable at Pebble Beach, another jovial kind of Euro who I think can can handle the pro am stuff, and a great piss poor weather player. So love everything about Shane Lowry this week. My next guy is going to be Adam Hadwin. I think this is a great spot for Adam Hadwin. Checks all the boxes: fairways gain, greens and reg, DraftKings points scored. Um, you know, only only one round here in the last five years. It was a T thirty nine in twenty seventeen. Uh, so not much to speak of there. Recent form's been a little iffy. Um, didn't finish great at the Waste Management, but obviously we saw him finish runner-up at the Desert Classic. I just think with the way this is setting up, it looks really good for Adam Hadwin. My cash play in this category is Lowry. I feel really good about Lowry and cash. Done. And then my fade in this range is going to be a guy that when I first saw pricing come out, I was like, ooh, I'm playing him. But the more I, I kind of dug into it, I was like, yeah, maybe I'm not playing him. Um, I think I think my fade. Well, my fade is going to be Rafa Cabrera Bello at 8,300. I typically like a little Rafa, but when you look at the stats, um, he manages to. Yeah, I don't know. He manages to recover off the tee nicely because his his accuracy off the tee is not tremendous, but somehow he ends up scoring because he does check the box there. Uh, but if you look at his recent form, even on on the European tour, it's not not. Not too spectacular right now. Um, you know, we haven't seen him play on the PGA Tour yet this season. Um, so I'm just, you know, very little history here. I'm just not a fan of Rafa. Even though I wanted to be, I, I think I'm going to avoid him. Yep. He was my guy too. Is That's that your crazy. fade? Yeah, I was easy. surprised. Yeah, it makes a lot it of easy. agreement. What are we going to talk about on the DraftKings uh Tour Junkies After Dark show. Uh, we got a few things, I'm sure. Hadwin being one of them. Not, I, I'm not a big fan of Hadwin this week. Okay. It, it, you know, I and I liked him last week, which may be one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of him this week because he did come back nicely, but he was all over the place off the tee. And I'd like to look at where he was last week as far as um, 
you know, as far as his driving accuracy, because I don't know if it shows up as well as it does kind of overall. Um, but I don't think he drove the ball very well at all last week. So that could be interesting. I'm not a, not a huge fan of Hadwin, but I totally agree with with you on Rafa Cabrera-Bella. I just I don't see it for all the same reasons. The stats just are not there. And, you know, coming off a miscut at the Dubai Desert Classic, um, which was the last tournament he played. So, yeah, totally, totally with you there. All right, lots of agreement. Yeah. By the way, if you guys aren't watching the Tour Junkies After Dark show on DraftKings, you're you're missing out. There's some great content. It's af- we record it after the podcast. At least you know the the first couple. Me and Pat both have been drinking, but I guess for the next month it's just me. Um, but we've had some legendary moments already on that show. But basically, we get on there, and it's not just a regurgitation of what you hear on the podcast, but we're bickering about specific players that we disagree with and. It gets it gets kind of crazy, and then we we talk about some betting stuff on there as well. If anything, it's just really good entertainment. But you can catch it on um, DraftKings.com, or you can go to DraftKings on their YouTube channel, and you can catch it there too. I, I just found out it was over there, but it's been there's been some great moments already. Tour Junkies After Dark presented by DraftKings, great stuff. Thanks. Um, that's that's it's been a lot of fun. All right, let's hit the seven K, six K range. We'll try to move quickly here. I, when I was looking at the 7K, I think there's some easy picks here, but I, I kind of want to be a little more bold tonight. Uh, I'm going to be a little more bold. First off, Pat, I'm going to go with a guy who has a very little course history here in the recent in, in recent years, but his best finish was 2016 when they had some tough weather. Uh, I am going to go with Lucas Glover. He finished 11th here in 2016. <sighs> yeah, uh, finished God, 11th here gross. in 2016 missed the cut last week horribly and I must admit he burned me badly last week but he burned about 20% of people I think that's going to throw some folks off obviously but before that if you look at his finishes 12th at the Desert Classic 11th at the RSM 7th at the Shriners 14th at the Sanderson 17th at the Safeway his last missed cut was the U.S. Open in in June that was his last missed cut before last week. We know Lucas Glover's a fantastic ball striker. If you look over the recent history, the long-term history, he's a great ball striker off the tee uh, approach. He checks all the boxes there. He probably went home after the waste management, got his ass whooped by his wife, and now he's back in gear, ready to go at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He just, the, the stats are too good on Glover right now. And for me to be able to jump on him, a week after everybody, you know, was all over him. I mean, the dude was 20% owned last week. I, I like the play. So I'm going Lucas Glover. The next play is kind of a gut call because he, he, he has, well, he's played here the last two years, but he's only gained a little over a stroke in the last two years. Um, and recently, his recent form's not great either. He missed the cut at the Desert Classic. 57th at the Farmers, 39th at the Waste Management. Bo Hostler at $7,300. Form is getting increasingly a little better. Miscut, 57th, 39th. So form's getting a little bit better. But I, there's something about Hostler. He, he's, he's kind of an accurate guy. He's a good iron player, really solid putter. Um, I, I just I have a little bit of a gut feeling with him. If you get him... Um, he's always gaining strokes off the tee. Long-term, short-term, he's always gaining strokes off the tee, and he's typically always gaining strokes with the putter. It's really about the irons for him. And when I looked at Hostler, I figured he's going to be low-owned. 
Uh, I mean, he's three and a half percent owned at the Waste Management. He's going to be low owned. And what I like about him is the upside. We've seen him win on the PGA Tour. He's an aggressive young player. But despite the iron troubles, I like the Pro-Am setup and the easy pin positions. Even though he's sitting in the small greens, these easier pin positions, a laid-back kind of vibe with the Pro-Am. I think that's going to suit Hoster, and, and I like uh, I like the play. Um, my last GPP play in this category I'm extremely excited about. He checks a lot of boxes. Fairways gained, greens and regulation, opportunities gained, uh, both long-term and short-term. DraftKings points scored. Corey Connors at $7,100. He's never played. I'm sorry, he has played here. He missed the cut last year in his first attempt. Uh, but he is your typical boomer bust kind of guy. Great for a situation like the Pro-Am where you get a guaranteed three rounds. I mean, if you look at some of his finishes last year, just in 2018, uh, I mean, it was like it was like miscut. He finished third at the Sony, second at the Sanderson Farms, three miscuts surrounding that. You know, eighth at the Fort Worth last year, thirteenth at Corrales, sixteenth at Valspar. Like he's kind of a boomer bust kid. He's he's had to Monday qualify his way into a lot of tournaments, which he's done. I think he did it a couple of weeks ago and like finished seventh or third or something. Um, but like shot seven under on Monday to get in. He's an aggressive young player that has the stats that 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 would say he could play well here. So I'm in on Connors. I like him. Um, I told you I was going a little risky with the GPP plays, but for cash, I think a safe option, just given course fit and course history, is uh, is Kevin Streelman at $7,300. I don't really like him in GPPs. I don't think he has enough. I, I don't know. I just don't love the upside with him. Um, but sixth place last year, 14th year before that, 17th year before that at Pebble Beach. I think if you want to play cash, you get down this low at 7300 Streelman's your guy. Wow, you are getting bold. Corey Connor? Actually, I, I looked at Corey Connor, and I, I have to say. I love the Corey Connors yeah, play. I, I'm going to have some of him. I, I think uh, I think he's definitely worth it, worth a shot. Um, I, I'll kind of run through this pretty quick, because I will say my cash and one of my GPP guys are the same, and that's Kevin Na. It's 7,700. Look, I know Ugh. he's had some – you had that weird injury at the – what was it? The Sony Open um, – and you know he's got he's got pretty mixed results here. He's got you know a T20 last year and a T4th in 2014, but a couple of missed cuts in here. But you're going to see that with any of these guys in the 7K range. There's not a, a whole lot of guys outside of you know maybe your your Streelman or um, you know your Pat Perez who who has the best course history probably of this of this 7K group, but has terrible recent form. So I'm not going to go Pat Perez, but I do like Kevin Na. He's definitely checking boxes when it comes to the stat categories. You know, he's eighth in the field in approach. He's top 15 in in um, driving accuracy. Uh, checks a box in scrambling. So I think Kevin Knock and certainly oh, par five scoring checks a box. So I think this is a good, just a good course for. Or these three courses are all good courses for him and can have a good week. Now look, his recent form isn't that great. I mentioned that he was he did make the cut last week, but was 60th. So, but I think Nas a good play. Also, here's a guy kind of going out on the limb a little bit. Matt Jones at 7200, coming okay. in in pretty good recent form. Okay, that's that's the first thing you got to look at. I mean, he was T13 at the Farmers, uh, and then had a top 30 at the Sony. Another kind of short course, and he has great uh, 
he's got good course history here. You know, he missed a cut last year, but before that, four straight made cuts with two top 10 finishes. Well, let's say a, a T11 and a T7, and then a T23 in 2017, which I mentioned earlier was another year where they had some kind of difficult weather. So I think Matt Jones could be sort of a sneaky play down here, especially from a GPP standpoint. And my favorite play, Kevin Kisner at 7,700. Or excuse me, 7,800. Love some kids this week. Always accurate off the tee. Mm. I think he's great in a pro-am style format. Um, you know, checks the box in par five scoring. Here's the thing with Kevin that you're probably going to mention. He always talks about he doesn't like POA greens. But you know what? When you look at over the last 50 events, or last 50 rounds, you drill it down to POA on Fantasy National, he ranks top 20 in the field putting on POA. So you know what? He's not as bad as people may think he is typically on these greens. I just think this is a good course, good format for him. Uh, So I like some kids at at 7,800. So there you go. My fade, by the way, is going to be a guy I mentioned. Well, two guys. I'm, or do you want me to do? The, you want to do the fades first? No, go ahead. Two guys at the top. Well, one I already mentioned. Perez can't just can't with the recent form. I don't know if he's healthy or not. I know he's got great course history here. It's, it's pretty incredible. But I'm not going to play Perez. And then up there, a guy I, I liked uh, a couple weeks ago, JB Holmes at 7,900. You know, I just don't. You know, he's 150 in the 50th in this field in driving accuracy, um, 97th in scrambling. He's got a pretty good good course history here, but just don't like the the form and everything else. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fade him and that price. I, I would rather him be a little bit cheaper anyway. So JB Holmes will be my my fade outside of Perez. Well, my two fades are Pat Perez, uh, same reasons. He does not check the boxes in fairways gain, greens and reg, opportunities gain. Basically, no boxes checked for Pat Perez at all. Um, and uh, I'm going to fade Mullinax. I've been on Mullinax for the last couple weeks. Love the guy. Big fan of him. Um, but I just don't I, – I, this is his fifth event in a row. Um, actually, same thing for Sung J M. It's a little concerning. I mean, I know they're young guys, but we've talked to PGA Tour players. I mean, this gets tough. It's a it's a brutal it's a brutal thing to play five events in a row. Plus, he's about to have some really long rounds. Um, he does have a lot of upside, but he's a, I like him better on courses where he can really take advantage of his length. And I just don't see that happening this year for the uh, for the Pebble Beach Pro Am. So, Faden Mullinax, Faden Perez. In the 6K range, Pat, I'll just quickly go through a few names that are popping for me. Uh, I'm, I'm liking this Adam Svensson kid. He's made his, he made his last three cuts. He's gained about 11 strokes on the field in his last three events. Um, you know, he's, he's, not played, uh, he's not played here. This is obviously his first time playing here as a web.com grad. But when you look at the skill set on this kid, uh, he's actually a, a pretty accurate player off the tee. Checks the box there, both long-term, short-term. Hits greens, um, kind of can you know he can go low score. We saw him shoot eight or nine under on the first round of one of these tournaments a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I like Adam Svensson. I'm going to go with a veteran at Pebble Beach, a California West Coast guy who can pop occasionally. And at 6,800, James Hahn, I think he's interesting. And then a guy who's just a short knocking, accurate son of a gun, David Hearn, the boring Canadian. 
checks the box in fairways gained all all the time, short term, long term, doesn't matter. Uh, he's down there at 65 hundy. So I think again, if you're if you're going to weight accuracy and you're going to weight lift clean in place in the fairways with wet conditions, you know distance not really mattering that much. I think David Hearn is in play. So those are my boys. Who you got? Okay, well I'm going to start with the old uh, little Roberto Castro at 6900. I like him. At least Good short at, knocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking at the stats, he's 11th in par five scoring. He's eighth in fairways gained. Checks the box in bogey avoidance. Um, you know, he's got. Uh, let's see. I lost my place with him. Hmm. Hmm. Riveting stuff. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Two top 20 finishes here. Uh, in 14, he was 2014. He was T19. 2016, he was T8. So he's got some 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 course history. Uh, so I like some Castro dropping down. This is a flyer play for me. This is uh, you know a, a guy we've had on the show had some success last week with a top thirty finish at the uh, Waste Management. Some Max Homa down at okay. uh, at sixty five hundred. I think he's just a good play. I, he's he's a California kid too, isn't he? You know, just kind of a a, a fun a fun guy to be around. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he'll be fun with whoever whatever group uh, gets him as far as the pro am's concerned. Um, you know, has played here a few times. Did have um, a top thirty finish back in 2015. So he's just kind of a flyer for me. I, you know, down in this range, there, there's there's a lot of guys. That, you know, we're gonna get three rounds, so I think you can. You can definitely take some risk and not necessarily go with somebody who's ch- checking all the boxes, as we might say, or whatever. If you like a guy, you think he's kind of might have a you know good little run here. I like Max Homa coming off of a good a good week last week, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna play a little him and some GPPs. So there you go. That's all I got. All in right, the I hear games. you. All right, let's uh, let's knock out the one and done, Pats. My one and done last week was John Rahm finished T10. Little disappointed in that, but at least I didn't, you know, at least I didn't burn the big name on an absolute goose egg. Um, yours was who was your one and done last week? Mine was Billy Horschel, who threatened to miss the cut, but ended up uh, actually having a good Sunday when everybody else was playing not so great. He was like near the bottom of the field going into Sunday, uh, but I think he he got in there inside maybe the top thirty-five. So I, okay. I was pleased with that after how it started. All right. I'm going to go. I thought about using a big name here, but I'm not going to use a big name because I th- we see so many different winners here, so many long shots. I was like, you know what? I'm going to save the big name. I'm going with Shane Lowry. I feel really good about Shane Lowry here. Hmm. Okay. Well, I am going to go the big name. And you know what? I'm going to go with. The guy who's never played here in Tommy Fleetwood. Ooh, I feel like I, I was need thinking it. about. I was thinking about either him or Day. I was. I was gonna they use are the name. two I wrote down, and yep. and I've I've made the decision to go Fleetwood. I think it's that's I, a little bit more of a splash. He's probably going to be a little lower owned than Day, so that's that's. What, I feel like people want to save some Fleetwood for later too. So I'm going to go ahead. And yeah, get, most people want to save him for. You know, U.S. Open, the Open, something like that. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Not not a bad play. Not a bad play. Um, all right, Pat. Well done on the picks. Let's get to the chunk and run section of tonight's podcast. I'm excited about this one. Um, man, by the way, last week's chunk and run was a really good time. Uh, very good time. All right, um, we'll start with the chunk portion of the show. 
And uh, that is biggest pet peeves when you're playing on the golf course. What are some pet peeves that we have that people want to know when we are playing golf? Um, Pat, would you like to start or would you like me to start? Go ahead. You can start with that one. I have a long list, honestly. And, and as I'm making this, I'm like, I know a lot of people. This is where, I, this is where I'm pulling it from, you know. Um, and, and hopefully, if those of you, this is where self-awareness is key, people. So just be self-aware. Ask yourself if you do this, because you may do this. And if you do, consider not doing it anymore, because you, you, you never know who you're really pissing off by doing this. Because honestly, a lot, of the, a lot of the things on my list, I know people that do, and I, don't, I haven't said anything about it, you know, and they don't know, but it bothers me. Um, number one, I, I, this is in no particular order, by the way. I, I hate it when I'm with a guy who insists on hitting on the cart girl. I just, it, it bothers me. It's a, it's a bad look. You're probably like Pat's age hitting on the 19-year-old cart girl. And I get, I get, I'm guilty by association for just being in your group. So I look like a, a putz as well. I just don't like the hit on the cart girl move. Just be, be professional. You know, even though you're not a professional, like, just be a, a grown-ass man and don't do that. I'm not really a big fan of that. Let's um, let me let me because I heard this a certain way, and I don't want the, the listeners to hear it away. But you kind of insinuated like my group, like I, I didn't like me because I'm not I'm not hit on cart girl guy. So just want to <laughs> no. make sure that that because somebody's going to tweet at us and be like, oh yeah, Pat, creepy Pat. No, no, no. I mean like like if you're if you're Pat's age is what I mean. Like you know, then you're hitting on the cart girl. I was just. Yeah. That was a jab. No, I'm with age. you there. I, it it, it makes me uncomfortable, okay. too. I mean, obviously, I hate slow play. I mean, I'm not a practice swing guy, so I guess I should say I hate practice swings. Um, I don't take practice swings. I take enough swings when I'm trying to hit the golf ball. I don't need, I'd don't. i be tired. So I'm not a real big practice swing guy. If you take more than one, like I'm totally fine with one practice swing. If you take more than one practice swing, I hate you. I don't even want to. I don't want to play with you. I don't like you. I do not enjoy more than one practice swing guy. We've talked about this on the podcast before. I hate poker chips for ball markers. Self-explanatory. I hate the guy who, when you're playing in a match, he's he he runs the putt by about eight feet, and then you know how like like you know how you walk up to a putt that's like a foot, and you'll like put you'll just put one foot, and you'll kind of leave one foot behind you, and you just Mm kind of tap it Mm in mm -hmm. when it's like eight feet. And he does that. And he misses like to, it, of course. But yeah, yeah. To so basically be like, oh, I'm just going to casually hit this eight footer so that in case I miss it, I can say I missed it because I didn't really stand over it and try. But if I make it, I make it. I, that really, really bothers me. Don't like that. Um, I don't like drop an extra ball guy, especially unannounced. You know, like we're, we're hitting and you you hit a bad one. And you're just like, oh, I'm just going to hit another one just for practice. I don't have an issue with that necessarily as much as I do not announcing it because then I start moving past you and then I got to dodge your shank just because I didn't know you were hitting the second one. Um, never been a fan of douchey pro shop guys or golf pros. There's a lot of them. Just can't stand it when I go to a club and I feel like the guy behind the thing is just a dick. Um, I hate people who leave stuff behind on the golf course. It bothers me. Like, I know accidents happen, but if I, I feel like the same people leave shit all the time. Well, with my wedge, I think, four holes ago, or my head cover, or my towel, or my... And then I got to wait <laughs> on you. I am that guy. I am that you guy. You are that guy. That bothers me badly. Yeah. I hate that. 
I don't like it when people don't pay off bets. I really that bothers me as well. Like, if we're gonna make a bet, be be ready to pay it. Now, I may very well tell you to put your cash back in your pocket. I may not. And just because I tell you to put your cash back in your pocket doesn't mean that next time if you have to pay me, I want you to not offer to pay me because I might take it that time. Just depends on how I feel. But don't ever just not pay it. Um, anybody who's anti-music on the course, I hate that. Um, and then two more guys who are through the bag, uh, the same equipment company guy, like through the bag. Irons, wedges, putter, fairway wood, driver, golf bag, golf towel, everything is the same logo, like like you're sponsored, I just automatically feel like that's not going to work. Um, and then last last but not least, temper tantrums. I used to throw temper tantrums on the golf course like Sergio. I don't do that anymore. Just have your expectations accurately um, put on yourself and just uh, just don't throw temper tantrums. Nobody wants to play with that guy. So there you go. That's what bothers me. I'm sometimes that guy. Sometimes. Depends. Maybe on a little alcohol, whatever else. Man, you got a lot of things that really just kind of tick you off. I mean, how do you play out there? You got all these distractions of people that are bothering you. Well, I'm actually, like a lot of these I pull from people that I play with. So, I mean, it's not that I won't play with them. It's just I wish they wouldn't do it. It does bother me. I mean, I guess some of them are non-negotiables, but it it just bothers me. Like, I'm not going to play with you because you leave your wedge behind on a hole. It just, it just irritates me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. Now, if you take more than one, if you regularly take more than one practice swing, I'm probably going to start looking for another guy to play with. Yeah. I mean, there are certain things where you just, you're just like, all right, I'm done. You know, especially the guy, like not like there's a difference between like a little half swing and a follow through and then like another little quick half swing and follow through. But like the guy that like sets up to a ghost ball and like, you know, <laughs> normal takeaway, full follow through, you know, shakes out the arms a little bit, sets up to the ghost ball again, full takeaway, full fo- like that. Hell no, like hell no. I will, I will slit your throat and bury you in a trap somewhere. You can't handle that. <laughs> you know. So this just popped, and I didn't write this down as one as, as guy that I don't <laughs> like to play with. But but I was talking with with a coworker of mine today, and he was talking about how he he's in a, he's in a, in a regular group, and and now they've got one guy who's been divorced, but now he's remarried, and he brings his 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 significant other to the golf course. I don't like that guy. No way. Like, just to ride around? Just to ride around. Oh. Don't, with the buddy group? Yeah, in the buddy group. Which is what? now, it's disbanding. It's, he was telling me the group is disbanding because this guy brings his, his girl out. Like, that's awful. Don't You can't be that guy, okay? Another thing, sloppy golfer guy. All right, look. And this is, I'm not saying untucked shirt guy. I started with untucked shirt. But you know what? I think I can get, I can get behind that. I'm okay. You know, Ricky's shirt a couple weeks ago, you you play untucked a decent amount. But you don't look sloppy out there. But sometimes you got sloppy guy, sloppy cargo shorts that are down past his knees like six inches. And then he's, he's got this sloppy, you know, gross looking polo shirt on and, and His bottom guts hanging yeah, out. Just no yeah. sloppy guy cannot stand slow play. I'm t- I'm totally with you there. Lesson guy cannot stand lesson guy. The guy that just shanked the ball off the tee on the previous hole, and then all of a sudden you do something, and he wants to tell you what you were doing uh, wrong. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I should cannot stand one. lesson guy. Okay, the only person that should be giving me lessons 
is if I'm playing with a freaking torn pro or I'm over there paying for him. That's the only guy that's going to be giving me lessons. I don't care to have, you know, anybody else, whatever. Um, hmm. What else? Oh, if you look at me funny on the first tee when I crack open a beer or I bring a Bloody Mary, that guy. Not, I'm not liking you. And I'm probably not going to ever play with you again if you look down upon me for, for my, early, my early drink opening or whatever it is. So just not, not, not a big fan of anybody there. And then finally, anything hanging from your belt guy. So if you got like your, oh no, if way. you got like your 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 club cleaner, you know your, your I I can't, that didn't even pop in my mind because I can't even fathom knowing someone that actually does that. Oh no, I've seen it, I've seen it. Oh yeah, cannot stand that. And you just extra gadget guy too, you know. Oh, just all the kind of stuff on your hanging from your bag too, you know, so you can clean your clubs and whatever awesome. else. I'm just I, I don't know, just just clean it. Get a towel, get it wet. That's all you need. You don't need to scrub or that metal brush like you're cleaning the grill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, All right, so that's I have to stop there. All right, good one. All right, the uh, the run portion of the night is a question that we have asked a fellow PGA Tour pro in Joey Garber on our Joey Garber interview a couple weeks ago, and we thought we'd, we'd ask it of ourselves. We liked it. The question is, if you were big enough to get booked and have writers, what would they be? Now, you're thinking, what is a writer? Well, a writer in the biz is, you know, something where if I'm a if I'm talent and you're booking me either to you know to perform or to be a guest on your show or whatever, uh, these are the things that I demand in my dressing room or in my green room, my hangout room, uh, as I'm coming on to your whatever it is. So, you th- think I think of it as like Jimmy Fallon finally wants the tour junkies on his show late night because we have exploded. And um, he's invited us on, and, and they send us the contract. And in the contract is a space for writers, the things that we request to be in the room or we are not going to come or we are not going to be happy and come back, the, the, the demands. Uh, because, you know, you're going to spend a lot of time in that room. You're going to be getting prepped for the show, and then you're going you're gonna to be, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be your, your little personal space. So I'm thinking about me and Pat in the room, Ready to go on Jimmy Fallon. What do we need? Um, Pat, you want me to start this one again, or you want to go? Go ahead. You started off good okay. last time. You can go ahead. All right. Um, a poker table would be nice, I think, you know, because we'll bring a couple friends. We'll bring probably a few listeners, listener buddies, maybe Ben Little, maybe Ash Morrison, you know, maybe the wives. But a poker table, just in case we want to get a little game going, calm the nerves. Um, obviously, Tito's and appropriate mixers for me, LaCroix, maybe some peach schnapps. Some soda, some limes, things like that. Also, some 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 water with lemon wedges, just for the hydration. That's what I like to drink when I'm not drinking alcohol or coffee. I, I just drink water with lemon. That was what the Tito's in the club was for. Hydration. No, 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 no. This is this is also for just this is also for just like, hey, you know, let me let me hydrate really well before I do anything else, okay. just in case. It's just in case. You may not ever use it. Um, one thing that I would really like is the host's favorite liquor or local brew. Which was kind of inspired by our, our listener John Skiaka, who sent us some some local beers from Massachusetts. I thought that would be interesting, you know, like have the host have us his favorite, his or her favorite uh, liquors or or brews for us to try. We may find something new that we like. I thought that would be fun. Um, at least two screens 
so that we could maybe you know watch either two different things on TV or watch something on TV and play you know video game on the other whatever. Um, a putting green with balls and putters, or, or if enough space, a hitting bay so that we could hit some golf balls while we're there. Skittles. I'm a huge Skittles fan. I, I prefer the yellow bag right now or the purple bag. Um, but even original Skittles, you can't go wrong. Big time Skittles fan. Uh, buffalo chicken dip. Love buffalo chicken dip. Uh, oatmeal cream pies of any, basically any oatmeal cream pie. I mean, Little Debbie's fine, but homemade would be great. Um, local barbecue. I always like tasting local barbecue and twists on local barbecues. So having a spread of some local barbecue, I think would be nice. And then three more, uh, Brookstone massage chair. I think that would be nice. I could just sit in the massage chair, turn it on, hit it a little bit. And then maybe even also a massage table with a masseuse handy, kind of get the, get the knots out. And then finally, another little custom piece from the host, but also a gift for us, it would be a fresh pair of kicks. You know, I kind of like shoes. Um, and I just think it would be unique to have every host that would have us you know, so if it's Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy, I wear an 11. Um, pick out your favorite pair of shoes and, and give it to us and have it in the green room waiting on us. So then we would get a, a, a new pair of shoes every time we go somewhere, and they'd be handpicked by the host. It'd be really fun. Those are my riders. Jeez. Oh, this is exactly how I imagine you would be, <laughs> like, if, if this were ever to occur, which it wouldn't, but much more high-maintenance than me. Well, it's a, it's a rider. you got to be high maintenance. But like, I, I get it. So I went a little lavish. Um, so <laughs> here's what I, I went with. I went with, of course, we'll get the alcohol out of the way, Tito's and beer, but just a normal beer, just like a Coors Light or something like that. I don't need anything too fancy. And of course, Yeah, but you got to have blue. The, the mountains better be blue when I get in there. Though. Yeah. The mountains yeah. aren't blue when I get in there. This this off the rails. No, that that's, that stuff better be on ice and, and yeah, very cold. You know, some, some rosé, some, some vino, maybe some red, too, but, you know, just some vino. I never know what I'm going to want, so I want all three. I want Tito's with the mixers, you know, with your club sodas, limes, whatever else. Then I want some beer, and then I want some rosé. I want some goldfish. Uh, I really mm. need some goldfish. Anytime, mm. if anybody that knows me that's ever been on a, a, a big guys weekend with me, which, which, which is a small group of some friends that know that I'm very... The goldfish are part of my, one of my favorite staples late at night, and they often end up on the floor everywhere. Uh, but I love some I love some late night goldfish. Uh, Tic Tacs, we talked about that last week. Got to have fresh breath, yeah. so we need some Tic Tacs um, and Reese's Pieces as well. Big, oh, big, yeah, big, that's a good call. Big fan of Reese's Pieces. If you know, got to have some pizza, and I want, like you said, with your with your local type fare, I want some good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, good, lo- local good local pizza. pizza. Probably some mm-hmm. wings, good local wings. I want an aquarium. I really think. Oh, no. I really okay. think. Yeah, I need an aquarium in there because sometimes you just want to chill, and if you got those those fish, are just sort of going back and forth. Really, I want colorful fish because um, I think that I don't know, it just kind of relaxes me a little bit. If I'm about to go on, you know, go on stage, uh, I don't know. There's something about aquariums. So, okay, that's it. That's it for me. Yeah, I mean, definitely fewer items on your part, but I mean, I would argue the aquarium might might put you over the top in terms of cost. I mean, that, the aquariums are not cheap. I mean, your yours may cost more than mine, really. I don't know. Maybe the massage chair, massage table, and, and masseuse and poker table, and 
Uh, tennis shoes may have may put me over the top. Hitting Bay, that might have done it too. But yeah, yeah, okay. All in all, it'd be a great room. We'd have a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm down. Awesome. Good podcast. It's a good time. Thank you guys for sending in questions. Be sure and send in more questions for the Chunk and Run. Info at tourjunkies.com. Email them to us. Info at tourjunkies.com. Let's do this. May your screens be green for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We'll be back next week as always. So have a great week. See ya!